This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, Open Your Heart by Sharice Hodges. Their family's historic bed and breakfast in Charleston, South Carolina is a legacy the four very different Richardson sisters are determined to protect at all costs. But sudden passion is a seductive and dangerous complication. For fashion boutique owner Yolanda Richardson, coming home is a matter of life and death. Witness to a brutal crime, she's terrified to put her family's B&B in the crosshairs after she starts receiving death threats. Her only refuge is the protection of her reserved hired bodyguard, Charles Morris. But Charles is anything but safe. His icy, cool, under fire, and hidden intensity is too explosive for Yolanda to resist. Love always equals loss. Charles knows that hard equation all too well. Controlling his emotions keeps his clients from harm and his heart safe. Yolanda's beauty and headstrong spirit have him wanting her in all kinds of ways. But for her own protection, he has to do his best to keep her at arm's length. Until unexpected danger and lethal misunderstandings put their survival and any chance at a future together on the knife edge. You can find Open Your Heart wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the Fairy Boss Mother. Hi, Mer friends. First, a reminder about a new bonus for our email list subscribers. I know a lot of you really enjoyed listening to our Mermaid episodes where I wrote original stories inspired by Mermaid artwork. I gathered those stories into a little ebook that you can read, and all you have to do is join our email list, and we'll send you a link so you can download a copy to read on your favorite e-reader or phone or tablet. I'll drop a link to our email list in the show notes, and you can also find that link in our show notes at mermaidpodcast.com under the section Tail Mail. In today's episode, we are going back to Wikiwachi Springs. Wikiwachi Springs is a natural tourist attraction located in Wikiwachi, Florida, where underwater performances by mermaids, women wearing fishtails, as well as other beautiful costumes, can be viewed in an aquarium-like setting in the natural spring of the Wikiwachi River. Longtime listeners of this podcast will remember that I've done a few episodes on Wikiwachi, including my time at Mermaid Camp and a few interviews with current and former mermaids. Wikiwachi is such a special place to me, and I was so excited to learn more about the efforts to preserve its history. So in this episode, I interview Rebecca Schwant about her project, The Women of Wikiwachi Springs State Park, which is an online exhibit of artifacts and oral histories about the experiences and history of the mermaids who have worked at Wikiwachi over the decades. It's so neat to learn about, and it's really important to gather this kind of local history. And I really enjoyed hearing about Rebecca's experience of gathering this information and some of the many surprises that happened while cataloging pieces of a 70-year history. You can view the exhibit and the artifacts online at the University of Central Florida's Riches website. There will be links in the show notes. And I really hope you look look at it and read all the different stories. It's just so cool, Um, especially if you are a mermaid and a history nerd like myself. Anyway, please enjoy the interview and enjoy the show. My name is Rebecca Schwant, and I'm an emerging museum professional here in Florida. 
Yay. Yeah. Um, everybody on this podcast knows that I'm a little bit obsessed with Wiki Wachi and that uh, there's a long history with this podcast and Wiki Wachi. I think this will be the fourth episode on some sort of Wiki Wachi topic. Um, and so I, I was, as I do, sometimes I stalk the WikiWatchy Facebook page and they, they had put a post up to um, a report of an oral history about WikiWatchy and I was immediately like, what, what, what is this? Um, so Rebecca, will you tell us a little bit about the project um, and just give us an overview of what it is? So this latest project uh, was actually the result of a grant. So the Florida Humanities Council, which is an amazing organization, they give uh, small community grants. So uh, projects up to $5,000, which is really nice for something like WikiWatchy uh, because it is, you know, uh, although WikiWatchy gets higher amounts of grants, but these little like micro grants are great for these smaller projects because it really gives local communities uh, more opportunities to, to preserve their history. So uh, uh, this project grew out of one of those grants uh, that I wrote and um, they, they, uh, accepted the proposal and gave us the money, funded the, the grant for us to uh, uh, accomplish this project in which we interviewed uh, several Wikiwatchy mermaids and asked former mermaids and community members to um, allow us to scan in their photos and documents and and, and any historical items they have related to the park for us to digitize and host on the University of Central Florida's um, uh, free to access archive riches. And um, uh, ultimately we created a an exhibit, you know, an online exhibit based around all of that material that we created around the oral histories and the items we digitized. That is, yeah. um, that's so cool. Um, I. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just was, I, when I heard about it, I was so excited because I, I, on the internet, there's so many different photos of Wikiwachi like present and past and um, having gone to mermaid camp and talk to all of the mermaids. You can tell that there's like this very rich history, but it's kind of like a little haphazard, like who has what and what scrapbook, you know, who, who's yes. got like what story that they told somebody that now somebody else tells differently. And, um, and it's such an interesting and unique piece of uh, like Florida history, American history, I think uh, female history. Um, and I was like, so excited that somebody was like, let's, let's focus <laughs> this a little and get it together together. Um, so is that how, like, like, I want to know, like, first how the project, like, what kind of is your entry point into it? Like, what made it interesting for you? And then also, like, your history of WikiWatchy, like, how did you pick WikiWatchy or get involved with this? Well, I am uh, born and raised in Florida, which is um, pretty uh, a rare sight these days, I would say. Um, I get asked all the time where I'm from. And when I say, oh, yeah, born and raised here, they then I get asked, no, but really, like, where are you? <laughs> where were you born? Where, you know, and it's like, nope, uh, right here in Florida. And people are like, oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, because of that, there's because there's not so many people that are from here. I mean, my, you know, even though I'm a Florida native, my parents both came here from uh, other places. I, I feel like there's, personally, I feel like there's not a, a whole lot of a community, I guess, a state community. I mean, you know, 
um, surrounding Florida, at least in my experience growing up, like I didn't even know Wikiwachi existed until I was in graduate school when I, I, I found out about it. Yeah. And, um, I had actually, when I was learning about Wikiwachi, I, I actually realized from one of my friends that, um, I had actually heard about Wikiwachi before, but, you know, didn't put two and two together because one of my close friends growing up, her, her, family had put an emphasis on, you know, going to all of these local places instead of the big things you would do on vacation. Like they went to all of these, you know, little springs and roadside attractions. And so she knew about it. She loved Wikiwachi because I, the way I got involved with Wikiwachi was, was through one of my grad graduate classes. Um, just, you know, as a project it was um we it was a digital history project we basically had to create um a digital exhibit and we had to pick a state park and i had to choose between a couple and you know i was talking to my friend and she was like oh you should do wiki watching i love it so much there's mermaids and i was like what yeah do that one <laughs> yes exactly and i was like this sounds great and and you know she was she was reminding me again of of oh yeah i went there when i was little and you know all of the other places she went through and it really hit me like i've lived here my entire life and i really don't know a lot about Florida. And after doing this project, which, um, you know, it was, it was just basically the, the, the initial project was just getting the students to become more, uh, familiar with digital history. So it wasn't anything super in depth, but just in doing that project, I realized, you know, like you said, there's tons of stuff online about Wikiwachi, but a lot of it is random photos on Pinterest that aren't captioned. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many photos, but it's like, who is this? What year Mm -hmm. is this? You know, there's no context, no stories, nothing. Mm -hmm. There's like three or four books written about Wikiwachi and that's it. So in doing this, I was like, every other topic I've written about in college, I've had, you know, hundreds of books I could pick from and so many so like a plethora of information I could choose from to 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 write about information you know to p- pull information from and Wikiwachi even though it's this amazing historic place that is still open they're really and even though there is all of this information because of there's thousands of photos online there really isn't a lot of actual information and that really made me interested in Wikiwachi. And at that point, it was early on in my my um, graduate school career, and I didn't know what I wanted to uh, write my thesis on. And um, as I went through grad school, I mean, that project and learning about Wikiwachi really gave me this uh, appreciation for like this really deep appreciation for Florida and Florida history. And that drove me to, you know, uh, write my thesis ultimately about Wikiwachi. And I just, I really fell in love with Florida and Wikiwachi because I honestly, before then I was like, what, what history does Florida have? I mean, <laughs> you know, before the 1900s, Florida was just a swamp that, and then, you know, it was owned by the Spanish and there was nothing here. 
and really it was just ignorance because I, you know, I wasn't taught anything and there wasn't really a focus, at least in my growing up of like going to discover these things around the place where I lived. So yeah, it was a, it was a, a real eye-opening experience getting yeah. to, to know Wikiwachi. And um, I really felt like everybody, it's like, once you know Wikiwachi, it seems like, I mean, all of the mermaids I've talked to, it's like, it pulls you in and it's so true. It, it really I, is. Yeah. And it's, that's so cool that it kind of gave you like a sense of hometown state pride, mm-hmm. um, like in going through this project. And it is such a singular, I mean, I feel like for any state, it would be a singular attraction. And then like, I feel like it's a side, I mean, I don't know much about Florida either, like having only been to like Miami and Disney World, you know, but when I went to <laughs> Wikiwachi, I was like, oh, this, this makes me feel um, like like one of the nicest things about traveling is like finding those little hidden secret places, which aren't secrets at all, but you just like, if you pay attention, you can discover things. And, um, and it made me feel like, I don't know, like cozy or have like good feelings about like, like America, just to be like, oh, it's not just like, you know, Mickey Mouse and like, you know, corporatized. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not just like gasoline and capitalism. It's like also like, like these, like this sweet spring with like this amazing community history um, behind it. And, or, and my, one of my favorite things at Wikiwachi, the, um, oh, the Moldorama, you pay a couple dollars. I love the Moldoramas <laughs> and this old machine that's like 70 years old shakes and you get this wax figurine out of it. It's just like, uh, yeah, it's very, very nostalgic in a way yeah. that, I mean, way before my time, but it, you still feel that, you know, sense of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, just, yeah, uniqueness and not so corporatized. Yeah. Um, and also I think like being in Wikiwatch, you get a real sense of like how important Wikiwachi is to the surrounding community. Um, and I, so I, I want to get into like the parts of the oral history. Cause like one of the things that struck me as I was reading it is that um, I kind of wondered this as I was like driving around and going to like, you know, Becky Jack's crab shack after I've been to mermaid camp and stuff, you know, it's been like, Oh yeah. What's it like to live here and have Wikiwachi be like a job option. <laughs> like you know, that was, that was cool to hear some of the mermaids that you interviewed talking about, like, I think it was Vicky that was like, you could be a nurse or a teacher or a mermaid. And I was like, yeah, obviously you went mermaid. <laughs> like, yep, completely, yeah. Exactly. Um, so when you, when you had gotten the grant and you knew you were going to do this project, was there a certain way you wanted to approach, um, all of this? Like, how did you get everybody on board and get them together and get everything digitized? Like, how did that work? Well, a lot of the, the work, you know, had been pre-done with me doing my thesis. So I had done a lot of the, I had gotten the connections, um, with working with a lot of the mermaids and with working with Wikiwachi Spring through my thesis, because a, a lot of it, you know, um, and I'm sure you have have realized this through your going to the mermaid camps, but the mermaids are really, really protective of their history because it is so much just taken out of their hands and posted online, you know, without that context, without without their voice. And a lot of times, a lot of times, um, what I've seen with uh, the couple of books that weren't very, um, 
there's there's a couple of books that were written that are were written like co-written with mermaids and then there are a couple that were you know written by someone who interviewed mermaids and then put it together in a book and obviously tons of articles about about mermaids and and a common theme i found in those that were um in you know the other category of not like co-written with mermaids is that it kind of treated the mermaids is almost like a sideshow and as like a oh this is just this silly goofy thing and look at this wiki watchy thing and it didn't really treat the women as people mm-hmm. as athletes as performers as you know individuals it was mm-hmm. just like look at the silly florida attraction and these you know the silly thing and then would just move on to something else and yeah. I, you know, in doing the the few interviews I did for my thesis, I got this deep sense from interviewing the mermaids that they didn't like how many people basically, I think, exploited, they exploited them as in just got interviews from them and then never spoke to them again uh-huh. and did whatever they wanted with their interviews and, uh-huh. and you know, um, or just didn't really have a um didn't really deeply care about their subject and more cared about posting something like quirky yeah if that makes any sense I, I no I think it makes complete sense I think this is something that I was struck by when I went to mermaid campus that I was excited to like put on a tail and like you know learn whatever tricks and I feel for me, the entry point was like getting to swim in that spring is like one of just the most beautiful experiences of my life. And I like all the mermaids talk about like the magic of the water. And of course, that's the same phrase that for some people would be like, whatever. Um, But it's so true. And there's like, and it's such a like connecting spring, like it's got I mean, it feels like really magical and and like otherworldly in there. But I also was like, Oh, wait, these women are like Olympic athletes when you're watching when you're when you would try yourself to do a move and you see like how much skill it takes and, um, you know, like how incredibly like talented they are. Um, And also like, yes, there's a kitschy aspect to like some of the shows and the performance has like an aspect of that because it's it's an entertainment. But like I love the kitsch. Right. Love the kitsch. Sign me up for it. Um, but I think the other angle that I think is easy to miss, and I'm glad that you have like the voices of the mermaids so recorded in their horse series is that like, you know, this is their life. It's a really special job. It also takes like a lot of different skills and um, it's like, and they're still so connected and there's such a community and there's such a history. And like, and the thing that I liked about um, like the oral histories that you were taking and, and the like, you know, kind of putting this experience in like some sort of container is I always thought it was so cool that each mermaid was trained by another mermaid. Um, and I did, you had said something you put in your report on that, that like they had gotten a paid incentive and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Just as like a, you know, cause there's, there's this thing about the mermaid role is, is a job and also a community and also a skill and also an art form, um, and also a performance. So it's got all these things. Um, but I always thought it was so neat to think that like, every time you were watching a mermaid show, you were seeing the woman who had trained that woman who had trained that woman who train that woman and it reminds me of like the only other form I can think of that is similar to that is like quilt making where like people teach it to each other and they gather it and make it together and then like display it and it was and like those are both and like the mermaids is such a like feminine art form and so it's quilt making and there's also like personal and community history um in each of it and I was just like 
I, I just, I love that about the mermaids, but I love that there was like a container and a report for it because I think you're right. Like so much of it is like, like, come look at the 50 weirdest things in Florida. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and exactly. Like, and like, and, and like, it does not give any credence to um, how, like how special and cool Wiki Wachi as a community as a spring is. And also how like incredibly talented um, the women are that perform. And the, yeah. and the and the men shout out we all we all love the prince and the little mermaid yes, you know? yes. So, like, but I was like ah, my one of my favorite things is being backstage in your, the backstage areas where mermaid camps are and when when you're waiting for because you can only swim at mermaid camp in between the shows obviously so like we are we all like sit in the backstage area while the show's going on and all the older mermaids I, like every time the prince comes on to like jump in the thing they all go oh it's the prince <laughs> that's great and it's like I so great that. that like for decades later yeah. Every time you sleep, it's like, oh, it's the prince. <laughs> like, like, I, I mean, it. it's such a like kind of ribbing of like the, you know, the younger guys, but also like, oh my God, you've been saying this for like five decades. Yeah, <laughs> like, really. Every, every person, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, see, please go. Oh yeah. But yeah, so I, I really came into the project wanting to res- respect their wishes, but uh, the wishes of these former mermaids and um, wanting to them to direct where my project went uh, and what I wanted to, to talk about. Cause that's something when I, that's something I learned going into my thesis, I had an idea of what I wanted to write about. And that's where I came into some issues. Like when I did my interviews and then was going back, transcribing them and going to write up um, it was it was hard for me to um, it, it was kind of learning like you know you you can't go into a, a scientific study wanting to only find what proves your hypothesis. Yes, and yes. I really uh-huh. learned that the hard way yeah. of like I, I've got to let what what the information I get lead where I go, and you know um, I and that's what I really focused on going into this project. Um, and giving their their words the the biggest standout, mm-hmm. um, especially because honestly, I think you know no shade to uh, <laughs> the creator of Wikiwachi, but I think too many articles spend way too much time on speaking about him mm-hmm. when he was only involved in Wikiwachi for like uh like eight years or so that was also interesting to me too is what you had like like I was getting some idea of the actual timeline from reading Mm -hmm. your report and I was like oh he like obviously a talented man he planted these hoses he like like had a great idea for the the entire idea yeah yeah the underwater theater so inventive and amazing I mean yeah but the but the mermaids have been like swimming there for the decades and I had no idea I for some reason in my mind I just assumed that he was there for at least like 15-20 years during Disney or the Disney the Disney era (laughs) which um is something I think just to maybe just break it down for people but I like I what I thought was cool is that you gave an overview of like the genesis of wiki and then can you just let outline the eras of it just so we have like an overview of like the the different eras of of wiki so i will just do this in the most basic Great. forms because if i get too deep into it yeah it'll, i'll be here forever <laughs> okay. giving you a lecture so 1947 <laughs> is when the the park opened and um that's that's what I call, uh, I mean, the first few years, that's very much Newt Perry. He got 
investors involved and it was pretty much run by him Mm -hmm. for those very first few years and um in the the 50s is what i call the co-op era it's when uh, other attractions were brought into the the on the mermaid show like around wikiwachi so there was an orchid garden there was uh, the main museum of uh well now it's called the the, the main museum of the tropics which was a a bug museum oh um <laughs> yes i went there it's now in colorado there's oh, a wow. gigantic um uh fiberglass beetle hercules beetle that's still there it's great yeah wild they brought okay. it they brought it <laughs> Here they brought it to Florida from Colorado on a truck and back, and it's it's amazing. I love it. It's yeah. great. Anyway, um, uh, and a, a few other things. So they brought those in, and each each of those individual um, attractions were run by different people, uh, but all worked together to you know make the park a success Mm -hmm. and uh, the 1960s and 70s is what I call the ABC era so uh, ABC bought the park um, in the early 1960s there was a transition period of a few years uh, um, until ABC really fully took over but the the 1960s and 70s was really what people consider the heyday. It's when, I mean, ABC poured in millions of dollars to uh, revitalize the underwater theater, to bring in movie stars, to to film movies at Wikiwachi, to have movie premieres. I mean, Elvis, this is when Elvis came to the park. This is when um, Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, that movie premiered at Wikiwachi. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, Wikiwachi was being... Uh, advertised in ABC theaters all across the world. So it just exploded during this period of time. And then um, uh, the, you know, after, for many reasons, um, uh, and what I call the death of the roadside attraction happened in the 1980s and so between the 1980s and in the 2000s that's the period that I call the death of the roadside attraction and that's when Wikiwachi kept switching owners to owners and it was basically uh during that period each new owner basically tried to put in as little money as possible Mm -hmm. into the park to get as much money as they could because uh they just saw it as okay, this is going downhill and I just want to get as much money as I can out of it before I have to sell it again. Mm-hmm. So they stopped investing money into keeping the the upkeep of the park. Um, so a lot of things started going downhill and and the tail end of the, tail end of the 2000s <laughs> um, is when uh, there was a, a lot of those issues started fighting Wikiwachi um, back because I mean there were so many structural issues that the um the the county I mean there people wanted to shut Wikiwachi down because there were structural issues and a lot of contractual issues that is so confusing like Mm -hmm. the land is leased from Swift Mud which is like the uh, Hillsborough County owns it's it's very it's convoluted so confusing land ownership information which is not 
super important in the grand scheme of things. But basically, in the tail end of the 2000s, Wikiwashi was very close, very, very close to being shut down. And the um, former mermaids in the community of Wikiwachi Springs uh, put on this huge fund, um, fundraising campaign called uh, Save Our Tales, um, which spurred the state of Florida to take on Wikiwachi Springs as a state park, which happened in 2008. And since then, they have been putting a whole lot of money and time and effort into bringing Wikiwachi back to what it was when it first opened, including, which was amazing. I was I was actually in grad school when they made the discovery that Wikiwachi, the underwater theater, the original clamshell roof was underneath the awful uh, roof um, that they redid in, in the 80s. They didn't oh, wow. think it existed. They oh, thought wow. okay. they had destroyed yeah. it, but they yeah. just put a new roof over it. And um, yeah, I was I was working with them on my thesis when they discovered that. And um, yeah, and redid it. And I mean, just in the past, you know, five years, it, it looks so much better. And yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been through an amazing and very uh, chaotic life, I yeah. would say. So, and I, and I knew from going to mermaid camp that like the transition into a state park was like a huge, a huge turning point for the mermaids, for the park, for the attraction. And, um, and it's cool to hear you lay it out like that, because um, I don't think when you're just hearing about, oh, and now we're a state park, you, you don't understand that, like it was about to be lost and that it was needed so much help and so much funding. And that could only come from something like being turned into a state yeah, park. And so yeah. many other, I mean, mm-hmm. so many other uh, roadside attractions have shut down. I, mm-hmm. I mean, places like, um, uh, oh gosh, why my Cypress gardens and, and things like that. Um, Cypress gardens, I think is where Legoland is now. Oh, okay. Uh, why? Things like that, like <laughs> yeah. these really old roadside attractions yeah. that are just lost now. And Wikiwachi is the oldest roadside attraction in Florida yeah. that is still open Yeah. and there's not very many left. And it was like on the brink of being closed for good. And we yeah. wouldn't have that anymore. And yeah, yeah it was serious. Like, seriously about to shut down and I think something that's kind of unique that um that you kind of touched on in your early history is that so many of the former mermaids they formed the friends of wikiwachi which is like a nonprofit arm to help raise money for the park and that they literally did save their own tales you know yes they did um and and I think also what's unique is like how many times do you go to a job and everybody who worked there 50 years ago still hangs around and helps out right <laughs> like, yes um so they're very involved still in the park I know a lot of the former mermaids perform once a month still in the legendary siren show the legendary sirens are the ones who run the mermaid camp which while being also an amazing experience is also like a huge fundraising um event for the for wikiwachi park um and yeah, I mean, just all of the different eras about it are so interesting. I think also really tie in interestingly to, I'm sure, Florida history and also like the history of pop culture and like American entertainment and like Lika Wiki Wachi has seen a Everything. lot of those eras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's so neat. And just a, a lot of eras, you know, in, in cultural history as well. Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Wikiwachi was segregated. I mean, I had one thing I found in actually going to Colorado for the um, uh, the main museum of, of the tropics, that uh, museum 
it was uh, the Bug Museum that was open in Wikiwachi in the 50s. Mm -hmm. The owners lived in Colorado. They took a section of their bug collection and opened the museum at Wikiwachi and ran it you know, from Colorado. So the person they put in charge of the, the museum, there was, they would write letters back and forth to the owner, just mm -hmm. giving them updates. And there was an update in there after the Supreme Court um, decision, you know, basically overturned segregation that still the manager of Wikiwachi at the time said, the Supreme Court has no power here. And <gasps> we still are gonna say that you can't admit any black people here. And the owner of the Bug Museum in Colorado had told all of their employees, as long as people aren't drunk, you let anybody in here. And the manager of Wikiwachi actually uh, harassed the manager of the Bug Museum for letting a black couple in because, wow. because of that. Oh yeah, yeah. In the, and she just, her writing in this letter, it was really like eye-opening of, of just how, you know, just how much Wikiwachi has seen both in entertainment and just, you know, culturally as well. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot to, to take in. Yeah. And I also thought I really liked um, the, the part that you did about Shinko Wheeler. Is that her last name? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, because I, there's a move that you learn at mermaid camp. It's called the Shinko and, and, you know, and, and you're told like it's named after the Japanese mermaid and, um, the bit about her history, I thought was so interesting. Cause it was like the intersection of, um, like the mermaid strike workers rights, immigration, um, you know, visas, like artists, performance, uh, Florida, like history, like all of this, this one thing about, um, like how she, so the story, just tell us, can you just tell a brief story of Shinko and like, and like what, like her, because she's an amazing athlete and performer. Yes. Like, I mean, just legendary. Um, if, if you're in the Wikiwachi world, I'm like a legend, yes, a living yes. legend. <laughs> no, I think, but like, so please tell, please tell them about Shinko Wheeler. So Shinko, um, she was a performer in Japan who had heard about Wikiwachi Springs. She was in some singing troops there. And I believe, um, I think also in some, ballet yeah i think she was well. trying to i think she either I, I also heard that she wanted to be in like the the like go to the bolshoi ballet like she wanted to go to russia but her mother wouldn't let her but she was an underwater performer as well in japan yes and and she had heard about wiki watchy and really really wanted to join mm -hmm. and um you know had, had reached out to wiki watchy and they wiki watchy wanted to hire her and you know shinko was th there was this there was this, you know, push and pull of like, okay, well, I want to start, you know, moving over here and going through the the immigration process, but I want to make sure that I, I have a job, you know, and you can only, if you're going on a worker's visa, you have to have a job. Yeah. But Wikiwachi was saying, well, we can't hire you if we don't see you perform. So Shinko had to come over here and basically on a on a visitor's visa uh and they they liked her work and hired her and she just stayed here on a visitor's visa and worked which you know is not legal yeah but while she was doing that the wikiwashi management was working on getting her that um worker's visa but and at the same time at the same time that 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 was happening and I mean yeah Shinka was just so 
amazing. And I, I love, I loved reading all of the, the newspaper articles about her. The most asked question of her was what was your, what's your favorite food in America? And she would always say uh, McDonald's burgers. Oh my God. That's <laughs> funny and weird. Of course they asked yes, that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I read, all the our old articles yes. about it were just hilarious, but so at the same time as she had started working uh, um, and was working to um, get a workers visa here at, uh, in Florida, um, the mermaids went on strike because they um, did not like how little insurance they had. Um, it, it, it wasn't too long before the strike that uh, um, a couple mermaids actually had almost died during a performance. Let's pause on that for a second because okay. I want to know, I want to make sure people understand how like what the mermaids are actually doing is that they are swimming underwater. They have, there are hoses planted around the theater that they take breaths from. And sometimes they're holding them while they dance, not always, but they are like literally just surviving off of these air hoses and pat, and it's all very choreographed. They pass them between each other. Um, but they are doing like a day, they are under, they're 20 feet underwater dancing and swimming and with limited like access to air supply. There are airlocks and things hidden around the lake, but like they're underwater for a 15, 20 minute show, like with just air hoses. Yeah. So like, and, and it's, there's complicated choreography, there's costume changes, there's like music, there's music that's piped into the spring that they are listening to that you're also hearing in the theater. Like, it is not just like a, we dive in, do one move and come up for air. They are underwater the whole time. It is like very technically complicated. And there's a lot of opportunity to not get your air. And also to get into the theater, there is this one, the tube that they swim down where it's pretty dark. There's a couple of lights and there's air hoses placed along the way and they breathe from them as they swim through that. So like, it is like, they're all very practiced at it. Like they're all, now they're all scuba certified. Like, but it, there's now, a lot of the now, here. now, but not then exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of room margin for error. <laughs> so, yes. so, so please tell about the mermaid strike and what had happened right before then. Yes. So, um, a, a couple of mermaids came very close to actually, um, uh, passing away because, of, uh, now this gets into the technical details of, I mean, I, I used to be scuba uh, certified when I was younger, but all of that has left my brain. So now I'm this jargon, um, people have explained this to me, but I, I still haven't quite wrapped my head around it, but, um, in the middle of a performance, two of the mermaids had tried to go into one of the airlocks to, I believe, change a costume. Um, but uh, something about the air that was being pumped in um, went wrong. It, it, it somehow became toxic either, uh, you know, I'm not sure how it, it happens with, with things like that. Um, again, I'm not, that's, that is not my area of expertise, I apologize. Um, but so when the mermaids entered into the airlock, they passed out. Mm -hmm. And if no one would have noticed, mm -hmm. they would have died in there. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, uh, people did notice and were able to, to get them out and safely get them um, out of the water. But uh, the women were hospitalized for uh a while, a while. It was, it was about a, a I, I believe like 13 days or, or somewhere oh, yeah. along around that time. And um, that was basically the, the straw that broke the camel's back of, oh, there needs to be more regulation. Mm -hmm. You know, 
And th this was basically the mermaid saying, we're just being treated like this is just a silly performance when this is like, so this is serious and there needs to be more safety precautions. I mean, um, around and not only that, but they, they weren't very happy with their pay or vacation time. I mean, Wikiwachi was open 365 days a year. Um, and they also advocated for the um, employees, the landscaping employees and the hotel employees as well. Cause the hotel across the street was, um, while it was a, um, a holiday inn, they, they did work very closely together, um, the Wikiwachi and the, the Holiday Inn. So um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a joint effort of, you know, we all need to have better pay, more vacation time and so better the, regulations. The mermaids organized with the other employees. And so this is, this is one of those classic examples where you say mermaids on strike, and that sounds funny and quirky, but we're talking about like very serious labor yeah. issues and safety issues and like literally mm. life or death for the yes, performers. Exactly. I was going to say, and what most people take out of it is, oh, the mermaids, when they were striking, would would dress up in bikinis and stand outside Wikiwachi with their picket signs, ha ha ha, and then move on. But well, I mean, yes, they did that to make a point. And I, I would, I think they did that quite well because it did get them uh, headlines in newspapers, yeah. Yeah. but I, you know, they were fighting for a really good cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in doing so, um, you know, there's tensions, you know, Wikiwachi, so basically once the strike started, the majority of mermaids went on strike. Mm -hmm. And the only people who didn't uh, were Shinko because she's, I mean, uh, from her perspective, she literally just came here. Mm -hmm. She's from a com different country. Mm -hmm. She just moved here. Like with, it was like that year. It was not, uh, it was only a few months prior that she moved here and she's on a, on a visa yeah. and she moved her entire life here. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like I wouldn't want to quit a, my only job. Like that's, I moved across halfway across the world. I'm staying at that job. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, she's a tight spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, and, um, a, a couple other people, two other people stayed, um, uh, and it was basically the three of them who were doing all of the shows. I mean, so Wikiwachi had to trim down the number of shows per day and it was just three mermaids basically doing the shows mm -hmm. and then the rest of the mermaids picketing and um you know that causes some tension because the mermaids who are picketing want to see that their strike is making a difference and from their perspective it's like okay we just quit our jobs and for a lot of them i mean they're their mothers, they're working. This is their first job out of high school. They're not going to college. This is what they're doing. So they're taking a hit. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's a, from their perspective, they're making a sacrifice. And if they're seeing Wikiwachi is still doing mermaid shows, that's going to cause some tensions. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately those tensions led to um, mermaids, uh, some of the striking mermaids, um, uh, reporting Shinko for working while on a visitor's visa, oh, okay. which led her to getting deported. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, only a few months after she came here and mm -hmm. I, I can imagine this, 
the stress that that would be like someone yeah. moving here has no you know she's not in this and no, it's just being thrust just into care. this and becoming a pawn of yeah you know yeah. I mean that's that's an awful awful thing to have to 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 be put through just because somebody else is is upset and yeah. what is also unfortunate is um it doesn't from, from what I've, I've heard from mermaids is that ultimately it didn't seem like a lot of what the union asked for actually ended up coming true it's it, you oh. know there was a lot more it does seem like a lot of compromises did happen but you know I think it is a you know, I don't think in cases of strikes, you know, that the demands are met a hundred percent, but so there was definitely a lot of, of, of good things that came out of it. But, um, you know, I, I think that her being deported was a real, um, unfortunate circumstance. And, and I, and one that the striking mermaids actually quickly regretted because, mm -hmm. It wasn't too long after that um, that they helped. You know, once the the strike ended, and term, you know, compromises were made on, on mm -hmm. what, um, on what the mermaids and the the other striking employees would accept. Um, Wikiwachi worked to get a proper work visa, which was obtained later in that year, mm -hmm. and they reached out to Shinko, but she didn't have the money to to come back. Mm -hmm. um, because you know she'd already spent all of that to to come the first time. first time yeah yeah and so the mermaids actually raised money to pay for her to to come back oh wow okay. um yes and and so she they paid for all of her travel expenses and she did come back the following year and um I couldn't find out how many how long she stayed at Wikiwachi after that I don't think it was more than a few years which mm -hmm. I mean I don't blame because that's a that's a lot of trauma to go through for yeah. somewhere that you're just working but yeah. um uh, an amazing woman and I actually through this project I um her daughter Shinko's daughter actually reached out to me and she's writing a book about the the experience yeah that's so that's so neat so is Shinko still living I don't think so okay and I so that brings me to a point that I was so glad that you were doing this because one thing is that there are so many of the mermaids are are getting much older and like there's only limited time to get this history from them um yeah. and i was and so glad have. yeah so and, and yeah. one one you know just to, to to push that point so one resource i used to try to reach out to former mermaids was um so there was a on the 50th anniversary of wiki watch it was which was in the 90s mm -hmm. um there were these questionnaires which uh, had, you know, what's your name? What years did you work at Wikiwachi? What's a good phone number? Um, uh, include a little statement and a picture if you want. Who's coming with you? What's your shirt size? Blah, blah, blah. And Wikiwachi still had a binder full of these. And I was like, I don't know the chances of these numbers still working, but I'm like, my parents still have the same landline phone number from 30 years ago. So I bet you some of these still do and so I went through and surprisingly a few of them did I really got a couple um, interviews from from those but as I was flipping through I tried numbers you know some didn't work and then I would google the names and every time I came up google came up with you know an obituary 
it was hard, especially if it was within the past year or yeah. so of me looking yes. because it was like, yes. so, you know, it yeah. wasn't that long before. Yeah. And I wish, you know, could have reached out to them before they passed. Um, okay. So one more question I want to ask you is you mentioned something about a history harvest and the archives. And I just wanted to know, like, what are the WikiWatchy archives? Are they like actually in a building? Did you, like you went there? Like, how does that work? <laughs> like, where are those archives? What is it? <laughs> Yes. So um, the Wikiwachi archives, I would say, is is a is a generous term. So uh, it's where all of the uh, records are that are still surviving for Wikiwachi throughout the years. There's tons of photos. There are two refrigerators filled with film, film reels, um, and they are being stored in one of the old cottages. So mm. when Wikiwachi was was first built, they would train the mermaids on grounds so the mermaids would actually get free um room and board and they would live in cottages on the grounds um so these little homes that they built and so one of those homes is being used as the archive um like literally <laughs> going in there it's it's funny um there's the the bathroom has been repurposed into the the tub there are um a bunch of records, a bunch of vinyls that are just stacked into the tub. Wow. So a bunch of vinyls that were okay. used during the, as music during the, the shows. Oh, wow. Okay. They're, they're just stacked in the tub. It's so funny. But what's really interesting about the vinyls is all the notes that are on, on there. Bonnie Georgiatis, who choreographed the shows, she wrote all these notes on the, you know, the backs of all the track listings of the records of like, play this here, play this here of like basically putting the shows together is interesting. But yeah, just going into this little cottage yeah. and it's like all repurposed. But yeah, that's that's what their their archive is. Um, and the history harvest is uh, that's a new a newer term. It's what public historians, which that's what I got my master's degree in um, in public history at UCF. That's uh, it's a newer term that um, is being used as basically a, a way to gather um, photos and documents uh, from the community, basically as a way to to preserve information from the community without taking it from them. So it's all about getting scans of things. So when I was saying we were getting scans of stuff, yeah. so it's, it's a big event. It's like we, we advertised it um, um, and just said, hey, come on by. We're going to have snacks. You know, let's do an oral history interview. Bring by your photos. We'll scan them right there. And we take high, we took high quality scans of, of all their images and documents and they get them right back and they don't have to worry about, you know, donating things because a lot of people were worried if I donate my stuff, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Am I are, am I ever going to see it again? Or is this just going to rot somewhere? Because right now, Wikiwachi has plans in the future they they would love to build a museum but you know right now it's it's still in the very early like conceptual like phases I, you know fundraising hasn't even started yet like they, it's just a, it's like basically a wish list of one day we'd love to have this yeah. so people are very much like and it's their family history so they would a lot of people want to pass it down to their kids yeah not necessarily want to donate it so an easy way of of compromising is hey let us let us scan this so we can still have this history to share and preserve and you can still have it as well mm -hmm. so um, they're really effective events 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. It made me think of like a barn raising kind of thing, but instead of like the community coming together to build a barn, you're like, we're just, we just want to get a, a record of your history and, and yeah. what you, what you have. And, and, and we I, got some amazing, amazing it. stuff. Yeah. So what, I want to know, what was like your favorite piece of like photo or paraphernalia or something that you were like, this is the gold. <laughs> well, it was actually a box of things. It was near the end of the the history harvest. This woman comes in, she was frazzled. She comes in with a box. She was a nurse, just came off of a, like a 13 hour shift. She almost didn't stop by because she was just so tired, but her dad just, you know, asked her to, and she's like, I have this box of stuff. You know, my dad was friends with this guy whose mom was a wiki watching mermaid and, you know, he passed away and he, he he didn't have any family so my dad like went through it you know was like going was tasked to be the person to go through his house and he saw these pictures and all this stuff and wanted to save it and so he wanted me to bring it here you go I'm do- and I'm donating it and so oh. she donated this huge box of stuff of what? photos of I mean just like of old uh um um uh, souvenirs all of this stuff. And as we were looking more into it, we realized who it was and it was, it was just fascinating. Um, so in, uh, it just, yeah, the story just spans back like decades. So, um, I first found out about this person when I met, um, Vicky for the first, mm-hmm. for one of the first times, cause I, I went to her house to do an interview with her and she was showing me all, all of, um, you know, all of her ephemera that she has from, did Wiki she Washington. show you the big photo album and you like went through all of it. So yes. the interview that I did with her is like, we were just drinking wine and she was like flipping pages and like showing me stuff and like classic love of Vicky. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And the, the one piece of ephemera that really stuck out to me was this anklet she brought out that was in a shadow box and and she started telling me this story about how someone she worked with in um in the the 50s um passed away from um a drunk driving accident someone a drunk driver hit her and her family and she passed away and this was basically the only thing she had left from her. And I, I mean, the story was just, I, I couldn't believe it. She was, and the more she got into it, the more like just amazing it was that she even had this piece of, of ephemera. So the woman's name um, was Florence McNabb. Um, her parents actually owned the motel across the street from Wikiwachi before it was the Holiday Inn. Um, yeah. So that they were the Gothbergs um, uh, and Florence actually met her husband, Charles, while working at Wikiwachi. So it was a very Wikiwachi love story. Um, uh, Charles helped with uh, marketing. He was doing a lot of the underwater photography. Um, and it, one article I found of them was so cute in... Um, in the uh, in the early fifties, they did a they both did a swimming competition together in the area, and they both won first place. You know, she won for women's, he won for men. Uh-huh. So there's just a photo of them 
and and this was one of the pieces that was in the box that was donated they're both holding separate trophies and it's just like amazing that they both won at uh-huh. this competition and um but yeah they uh, Florence and Charles met at Wikiwachi and, and got married um and actually um I found out that Ginger Stanley who was um she's known for um working in the creature of the Black Lagoon she was one of the bridesmaids at that wedding. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, Florence and Charles met, got married. And um, uh, once they married and had their first son, Florence started working less as a mermaid and started teaching part-time and then had another son. And at, at, at a similar time, Charles decided to do more work with um, aviation. So he had... Um, done some aviation in World War II and then um, uh, so started to so got this job with the state of Florida Bureau of of Aircraft in the 60s the early 60s so he was like flying around governor the governor Um, so he was yeah so he would be like out of town basically Uh and um, so basically what was the norm for the family was that um, uh Florence would would drive Charles to the airport with her sons, you know, with their sons, and they would say goodbye at the airport, and then he would fly off and then be gone for a week or so while he was, you know, flying around whomever in the Florida legislator doing his job and then come back. And so on one of those times, and this was actually like, um, they were planning on actually moving to Tallahassee to be closer to the capital so they wouldn't have to be so far apart all the time so their um Florence had their car packed with furniture um as they were dropping off Charles to the airport a drunk driver hit them and Florence and one of her sons passed away Um, and it really hit the community hard and Vicky just told me how how hard it hit her and I mean just even reading the news articles about it were devastating I mean a scholarship was was created in her name and um Florence's mother actually spent the next 20 years volunteering at uh the hospital that her daughter passed away in um I mean 27,000 hours at this hospital Uh, yeah I mean it was such a such a it made such an impact on the community that was so so devastating and you know even though she wasn't a mermaid at the time that she passed away once a mermaid always a mermaid and she had only you know so and the people she had only just recently quit so all the basically all the mermaids who worked there knew her so it was it was really hard and um but fast forward many decades in the future and people were um uh hunting or treasure hunting in the springs you know because when the mermaids would drink sodas underwater they would throw the caps and throw the bottles and Uh so there's a lot of I I guess trash around Uh so people have gone and and tried to pick a lot of that up and so there's a lot of old RC cola bottles that people have found Uh and and so someone was doing that and and they found an anklet um, and, and brought it up and found that it had Charlie inscribed on one side and Florence inscribed on the other. Oh my and, God. 
yeah, and brought it to um, uh, Barbara Wins and Vicki Smith and Vicki recognized it right away who it was uh -huh. and was just could not believe that she had that, she, you know, they found it. Yeah. And, um, and the person who found it gave it to Vicki and she put it in that in that shadow box. And, you know, I couldn't believe a few years after hearing that story, yeah. you know, having the friends of Florence's son, the daughter of the friend of Florence's son come in with a box of photos yeah. and ephemera of the Mermaid Motel that was there before the Holiday Inn of Florence and Charles and their family when they were younger and growing up. I mean, there's this beautiful photo of, of Florence coming. I mean, it's clearly she's coming from the hospital. She's in like a nightgown and flip-flops and coming out, walking out of a car with a baby in her hands. Uh -huh. And it's just like, and so many beautiful photos of her as a mermaid. And I mean, just getting and just literally dumped on us like here you go I'm just we're donating this yeah. you know a couple years after that and that we're able to preserve this is just so fascinating I mean I, I can't believe it's all come so full circle and it, it makes me uh, you know I even though nobody no one in their family is still around because Char Charles has passed away now as well you know I hope that I mean, I know it means a lot to, to Vicky and other people who knew them, but I just I hope that they would appreciate their memory still yeah. living this long after them. Yeah. So that's what I think is so cool about having, you know, this history preserved in this way is that um, like Wiki Wachi it lives like in the imagination, but also lives in the community. And so like getting to hear and have some record of how like the community is connected and how the mermaids all know each other. And that like, you know, what one person's impact on not just the show, but also the women and the employees and everybody who's involved in Wikiwachi and, um, and the community is, is like, I think, I think part of what makes Wikiwachi in general so special, but also is like why you, we need some of this preserved because it's yeah. not just, it's not just the splashy entertainment you know, mermaid tales, sequins, and like American flag finales, you know, like there's also like the, the people that, that, that are in the show and the lives that they have around it. Um, and, and I think something that I liked about going to mermaid camp was getting just a small glimpse of that, what the world is in the water and outside of the water. And I'm so happy that there's this little bit of a oral history project and some of the mermaids voices recorded. So you can, you can get some of that, um, you know, preserved. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And and it's I know the Wikiwachi Springs and the friends of Wikiwachi Springs are are going to use it as a jumping off point to try to, you know, get more history preserved and to try to do something to to build some more momentum to mm -hmm. to maybe see if there can be a museum and, yeah. and things like that. So it's they Wikiwachi really cares about the history as well mm -hmm. um and it, the, the it's it's so hard you know I I know there's there's a there's a lot of difficulty there because being a state park you know they're park rangers you know they're not like yeah. you know historians really um I I believe they have hired someone who's um an archivist mm -hmm. um to, to focus on it but you know 
there's so many different like competing aspects that need to be addressed like the water quality I mean the environmental aspects of Wikiwachi that so many of the mermaids you know at the end of each interview I would say you know is there anything else you know you want people to know and most of them would would say you know it's vital to Florida's environment to keep these mm -hmm. springs you know looking beautiful like we need to care about our environment we need to care about our water you know so it's like preserving the water preserving the springs preserving the history I mean there's so many like yeah. competing factors that all need attention it's so yeah. hard to, to focus on so I'm so glad that they have the friends group to you know be able to to focus more on on the history so that mm -hmm. Wikiwachi can focus more on the em environment and mm -hmm. I think the friends of Wikiwachi have done an awesome awesome job at, at, at doing that so just as we wrap up i want to know if there's like anything that you want to make sure people know about either history you know being an emerging museum professional or about wikiwachi like anything that you you think people like you want to make sure people take away well i would love people to uh, view the exhibit um and and they can find it i don't know if you can put i'll put a link i'll put somewhere. a link in our show notes so everybody can find it yeah but you guys yes. can also google i just googled like wiki watchy oral history and it comes yes. up so, <laughs> yes it does <laughs> but it's, it's on the riches platform which is connected to the university of central florida central right Florida. Mm -hmm. right. yes okay. all i want to um i hope that everybody anybody who can has a chance who does have a chance to visit florida does come to wiki watchy because it is so fascinating and it's so much fun and, so fun yeah and i i hope that i mean i can't i mean I, I can't wait to go to one of these mermaid camps but i i hope that if anybody gets a chance to listen to even one of these oral histories because just hearing the experiences of the the former mermaids it really gives such an insight into the lives of 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 women, you know, growing up in the in the rural areas in mm. you know the 30s and 40s and 50s, and I think it can create and you know an entry point into people maybe talking to to their moms, their grandmothers about mm. what their experiences were like. Because I know throughout this experience and just learning and becoming um, a an emerging museum professional getting into this field, it has made me a lot closer to, um, you know, specifically the 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 women in in my life, specifically through this project because I've 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 asked the questions that I think not a lot of women are asked because people just assume oh you know you you know especially in a time where many people many women you know didn't have jobs or maybe just worked a little bit like a lot of wiki watching mermaids were wiki watching mermaids for a few years then quit their jobs to become moms because mm -hmm. you know they wanted to to spend time raising their family who they and they valued their their family you know so much they consider that just as important as as their job as a, as a mermaid and so i think you know viewing every aspect of womanhood as just as important you know as one another you know yeah. being a mother working whatever job i think is is just super important and i think being able to see that through the the lens and of these oral histories and like being able to realize you know just being able to see that like yeah something that 
may seem that you might not realize is very difficult. Uh, <laughs> it actually takes a lot of, of experience and work, uh, you know, swimming underwater, performing ballet underwater mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, multiple times a day, you know, so I, I think I think it would give a lot of people um, a different perspective on things and maybe open them up to uh, learning more about their family history. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I hope people can, I, I really, I'm just like, uh, you know, I, learn about, listen to these women that that's, that's mainly uh, my goal with all of this is as I want the, the voices of these women to be, to be heard. I think they're fascinating and amazing and they've done so much work. I want them to be remembered for as, as amazing as they are. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. Reviews are really important because they help other mermaid lovers find us. The easiest way to leave a review is right in the app that you are using to listen to this episode or leave a review on our Facebook page. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, the best thing to do is sign up for our email list. We only send you emails that you like about new episodes and you will get exclusive behind the scenes content that you won't see anywhere else. Join the email list by dropping your email address into the sign up form, which you can find in any of the episode show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast and we always love to see you on social media. Again, we'll have links to all of the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, Mermaid Podcast podcast.com. Our jingle was recorded by Tori Scott, the world famous cabaret singer. You can find Tori at itstoriescott.com and the Mermaid Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts that you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thank you for listening and remember, don't quit your daydream. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.